0: Offer valid on select AK sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: Welcome back to Crossover Daily, SI's daily NBA podcast. I'm your host, Rohan Nadkarni. Today on the show, we'll discuss the finals matchup between the Heat and the Lakers. What does it say about these teams the way they were built? And what would another finals win do for Eric Swolster's career? Later, we'll also look into the future of the Eastern Conference. Joining me will be GQ's Michael Pina. Let's start the show. All right. Joining us now on Crossover Daily is one of the most prolific NBA writers I know. He's currently covering the NBA bubble for GQ. His work also appears in Five Thirty Eight. Previously, he was a writer for Vice Sports and SB Nation. His work has also appeared in Sports Illustrated. It's my buddy, Michael Pina. Michael, how's it going, my man?
2: Ron, how are you, my guy?
1: Uh, Listen, it's a good day to be from the Miami metropolitan area slash Fort Lauderdale <laughs> slash Coral Springs, Florida. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, my man? I feel like I should ask you how you're doing. Um,
2: I've had we were talking a little bit uh, off the air before we started recording I feel I feel okay I think all things considered Um, I grew up outside of Boston for those who don't know and uh, which is probably everyone listening and (laughs) I (laughs) and uh, you know I still have an emotional attachment to the Boston Celtics so heading into this series I was very confident in how they matched up against Miami and it just didn't go how I thought it would uh, mm-hmm. at all. But, you know, we we move on. We all live. We all prosper.
1: For sure. Something I will miss from the Heat Celtic series is the tweets from the different camps. Like every foul <laughs> review or, you know, every big play or like every role player getting hyped up to like an incredible degree. Mm-hmm. That's that's the best part about well, that's not the best part about that's one of the the underrated parts about a series like this is just the full-on, like, how much of a homer can you go while still trying to remain somewhat objective uh, during a series like this?
2: Once we're this far in the playoffs, I usually, like, objectivity just goes out the window for me. Right, right. Um, But normally it's been for the Celtics, like, they've, once they got this far, they faced off against, like, LeBron. So it's just, like, I have no hope for victory (laughs) So I'm whatever, like, you know, I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm not super optimistic. There was in 2018, Jeff Green, they go to game seven and Jeff Green just like tears Boston's <laughs> soul out of their body uh, in in that game in game seven. And obviously they did not advance to the finals. Um, so, but this, this was a special case because I, I just, I genuinely thought that Jason Tatum was the best player in the series and he just um you know he just he didn't have as good of a series as I thought he would
1: it was an interesting series for him and well, we'll let's get to that later because I want to talk about the Celtics I want to talk about their future okay. and I want to talk about Tatum let's yep. start here because we finally have an NBA finals matchup it's going to be the Miami Heat and LeBron James on the Lakers it's kind of like hilarious the threads between these teams it's a Dion Wagers Raiders revenge series it's a Pat Riley revenge series it's LeBron versus Pat it's Spo versus Vogel it's there are a lot of, you know, connections between these teams that are not maybe obvious at, at first impression. Now that you know this is the matchup, just give me like your your first thoughts, uh your first blush, you know, what do you think of this matchup? Uh
2: I think what's most interesting to me is how the two teams were constructed actually because mm-hmm. I'm just like mm. a huge huge nerd and No, I love these, that. Right, go ahead. I mean, these are It's two separate ends of the spectrum. I mean, you have in L.A., uh, LeBron, you know, they clear cap space. LeBron goes there. Everybody kind of knew he was going to go there two years ago. Um, And then it's just very telegraphed from that point forward that he's going to get a second superstar. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Telegraphed who that superstar is going to be (laughs) also, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they sign him to uh, Clutch and uh, him as Anthony Davis, and then they trade – uh, basically the farm to get him and you know that's kind of just LA exceptionalism mm-hmm. you know it's like there's really no uh, culture no identity yeah. it's just like they you know we didn't know who the head coach was going to be right you know it, so the it, it, you know they've kind of there's been very little continuity, any of that. And, um, I will give, obviously give them a ton of credit. You know, they, they, they added piece veteran pieces who they thought would be good fits, um, this time of year, more so than the regular season, I think. And then during the regular season, they quickly adopted this, uh, defense first, but we're also going to like run the ball as much as possible Mm -hmm. down your throat. Um, identity so shout out to them for that but at the end of the day it was just a very uh you know i think the age of the super team necessarily might be dead or or dwindling for for cba for reasons but this was a this is like a super team but for all i mean it's just like two top five players so um that were acquired basically via free agency and then right. just you know anthony davis was going to sign there if they did not right. that trade it's so no go ahead
1: it's hard to talk about the Clippers without sounding bitter, but it is a little frustrating when you see the other teams that made it to the conference finals. You know, the Nuggets have been together for three years. Mm-hmm. You know, Tatum and Brown are in their second conference finals in three years. And that core of Tatum, Brown, and Smart uh, is mm-hmm. it's just so cool watching them play together year after year, get deeper into the playoffs. The Heat are a little bit more of a blend, but Spo's been there forever. Dragic has been there forever. Udonis is still on the team. You know, they brought up Bam, they brought up Duncan. The Lakers, and I got a little bit of heat for this, but I feel like it's been a while since LeBron played on a team that didn't feel like LeBron plus mercenaries. And, you know, you mentioned it, like no real identity. The Lakers are kind of like a blunt object. They're they're just effective. They're good. They're like mm-hmm. a tool for success. But, you know, it's a first year coach like Rondo and LeBron used to be rivals and now there's this awkward partnership. Marquise Morris was closing games in the playoffs and it just doesn't feel like a team if I'm being completely honest.
2: It's an interesting construction for sure. (laughs) Um, And I think on paper, you look at some of those pieces and they just don't, I mean, they don't make a lot of sense, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. I I would imagine that they wanted some more ball handling, um, some more capable outside shooting than, you know, like, usually LeBron has, like, you know, uh, I guess, like, more prime J.R. Smith, Kyle Kruver, like, real Mm sharpshooters. And I I don't think Danny Green is that guy anymore. I don't think KCP ever was that guy. Uh, Alex Caruso you know, whatever, I'm just, I'm not, I'm never getting on that hype train. Um And so, yeah, it's just, it's been, it's been, I think a combination of uh without sounding like a sore loser, but like the Lakers just haven't really faced anyone right to, I mean, no disrespect to the Denver Nuggets who are incredible.
1: I love the Nuggets, um, but you're right. You're right. No yes, one, they haven't I, faced a team who can challenge them in the way they need to be challenged.
2: Right. And LeBron in particular, who is who is he be, who's been guarding him? Like uh, you know, there were stretches where James Harden was like the yeah. resort option in Houston. Yeah. So um, I think that this series coming Carmelo up, Carmelo Anthony, be,
1: remember that, <laughs> dude? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. <Yeah>. Like,
2: <laughs> and shout out to me for picking against the Lakers in every single round. Same, of same. This <laughs> <Yeah>. yes.
1: <laughs> like Carmelo Anthony, like was out of the league two years ago. Last year, basically, because of his defense, and the Blazers were like on LeBron. Let's do no, it. it
2: was yeah, it was Carmelo because Trevor reabsorbed opted out of the bubble. So it's mm-hmm. Carmelo and it's Gary Trent Jr. Right. I mean, like that was come on, and then. PJ Tucker, God bless his soul, had to defend Anthony Davis. I mean, they abandoned their switch everything strategy because he was the only guy who could bother AD. And that didn't even work.
1: <laughs> also, the Raptors acquired PJ Tucker to be the LeBron stopper that one year, and I'm pretty sure they got swept. So yeah, that, that <laughs> didn't work out for anybody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm with you. It is. I again, I said it's been LeBron's least interesting Finals run. They just haven't had anyone. They haven't faced a team that is going to force them to execute in the half court on both ends of the floor for an extended period of time. So I want to get to that a tiny bit because I... Listen, I I have basically made it clear I'm a Heat fan. I don't really think they're going to win this series, but I do think Spo can kind of design something that's going to make them challenge the Lakers a little bit more. On the court, do you have a sense of how you think this series is going to play out? I think I'm most fascinated in if the Lakers will play big, more so just to keep Bam off of AD. That's kind of the first thing that I, that I think of when I think of the on-court matchup.
2: Well, first of all, I think that if the Lakers were to go big out of fear of Bam guarding AD, I don't think the heat would blink. I think they would put mm. Jay Crowder on JaVale or Jay Crowder on Dwight Howard because those guys are just not offensive right. problems. And then you could switch any pick and roll with LeBron. Um, pretty comfortably as comfortably as anyone can switch a pick and roll defending LeBron James um I think that the Lakers will ultimately have to downsize personally because Mm -hmm. just there's so like uh, on the defensive end if you're the Lakers I don't know who like I just don't know how they match up um if you have Duncan Robinson and Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero on the floor at the same time. I mean, like, they're tough. And Jay Crowder kind of came back to earth a little bit behind the three-point line, as (laughs) I thought he would. Right, right. But he could get hot again for another four or five-game stretch. That's kind of just how he's been his entire career. So they have a lot of shooters, a lot of weapons. Um, Jimmy never had, like, a Jimmy game in Mm. the conference finals. So I think that he's due to explode in a similar vein to how or to what we saw um against the milwaukee bucks um but i guess like i don't know i look at i look at uh i look at miami's defense and i see a defense that the lakers have not had to like a disciplined organized um right really strong in terms of their personnel with individual defenders defense and i do think that the zone which is I think the zone might be just the story of the bubble. Honestly, right. when we look back at this, because the Lakers, if you can keep them in the half court, they have to shoot threes. And right. just like, if you're trying to beat a zone, that has been their weakness uh, from the jump since this team was constructed. And I just, I think that we're going to see a lot of zone, a lot of Andre Iguodala and Jimmy Butler at the top. And I, I mean, it's going to be make,
1: fun. Make the Lakers shoot. It's funny mm-hmm. because I don't think I would be surprised if either of us really bought into the Rockets defense, you know, when they were playing Oklahoma city, like there are all those numbers, like the Rockets, would you believe they have the best defensive efficiency in the playoffs? It's like, yeah. Cause they're guarding Lou Dort and Steven Adams, you know, meanwhile, Portland and Denver are just frankly, not defensive minded teams. They were giving up a comical number of points during the restart. The heat strangely enough for them this was not their best defensive team. Like as a defensive-minded organization, it, it wasn't their best defensive season. But I think they're far more disciplined, like you mentioned, than any of the teams the Lakers have faced. And if they can slow the game down, you know, Boston was starting to figure out that zone towards the end of the series. But it helped that they have guys like Hayward and Jalen Brown who can shoot from the corners. I think the Heat will live with Caruso threes and Rondo threes and Marquise Morris threes. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I want to talk about a story that you wrote today for GQ that everyone should go check out. It's incredible. Obviously, I loved it. It's about Eric Swolstra. <laughs> you, you called him, I believe, the best coach in the NBA. This is obviously, you know, he's he's been weirdly kumbaya during his sideline interviews. <laughs> You know, I I almost want to see a little bit more energy from him, like during Game Six, going into the fourth quarter. He's like, "Don't you love this?" And, I, and I'm like, "Okay, man." Like, no, yeah, it's a yeah. it's a
2: it's a great contrast with yes. Brad Stevens, it, who's just this total maniac, yeah, just yeah. frothing at the mouth. Yeah, right.
1: No. <laughs> what I don't want to get into pure legacy conversation here, mm-hmm. but what do you think a a Finals win could do for Spo? right now, or does it, does it, does he even need it to, to boost kind of his profile in the league?
2: So, I mean, you know, this is going to be his fifth finals appearance. Um, I tweeted this, this uh, note out with the story that you referenced. Thank you for your kind words. (laughs) Um, But in the past 50 years, the only coaches who have appeared in more finals than Spostra are uh, Pat Riley Phil Jackson and Greg Popovich. Uh, During this run, Spolstra leapt in front of Pat Riley in career playoff winning percentage. He has uh, more playoff wins now than Chuck Daly, who won two titles with the Detroit Pistons and coached the Dream Team. Uh, I mean, he's already in the Hall of Fame. He was in the Hall of Fame, I mean... If you win two, you're in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's right. just kind of how it goes, unless you're Rudy Tomjanovich, um, who, fin- who finally just got in. Shout right, out to Rudy. There we go. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of legacy, what I think is really fascinating about Eric Spolstra is like the success is the success, and if you can win with a, I mean, he he was at the ground floor of the player empowerment era. He was the head coach of the the, the Big Three, the Heatles. Mm-hmm. LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch, and to win there as consistently as he did, four straight finals appearances, and then to develop a team kind of just with such brilliance and patience and uh, empathy and uh, like bold creativity mm-hmm. with this group. Um, it's just it, it, like winning in the two different, uh, again, opposite ends of the spectrum right. as he did. I think that. If we talk about legacy, like Spolstra's legacy, and he's been talking about this quite a bit, is just how much pride he takes in developing players, finding players, developing players, finding um, roles for them where they can like thrive. And we talk about like coaches who can do that a lot, and it's become very trite almost at Mm -hmm. this point. But Spolstra, it's so legit, man. Like Duncan Robinson is unbelievable, an unbelievable story. Um, The Tyler hero uh phenomenon is it's like no one in the heat organization is surprised by any of that because they uh they enabled him and emboldened him throughout the regular season to have the ball in his hands to take big shots to set up others to run pick and roll like he wasn't a spot up shooter so it's not this isn't like a big surprise and I mean, Bam Bio is just like the crown jewel personification of heat culture. And uh, there is no, the, the the sky is the limit for you. Um, we're not going to restrict you. We see what you're capable of from watching you in practice and watching your film all the way back to when you were in high school and mm-hmm. you were ripping the ball off the glass and just taking it coast to coast. And then you weren't allowed to do that at Kentucky. So no one saw that. Like we saw that and we want you to be able to do that. So once the Whiteside kind of, you know, gets pushed to the side.
1: Oh God, don't um, say that name.
2: <laughs> <laughs> once the Whiteside leaves, it's like, all right, this is your, like the handcuffs are off. We're going to let you make a ton of mistakes because Bam made it. Bam made a ton of mistakes. It's, it's like true. the turnovers that he made during the regular season. Um, they, they basically help you get to where you are right now, where he is pitching perfect games against the Celtics in the conference finals. So I think Spoh's legacy is just, like, real, uh, like, just player development in Mm -hmm. a way that is um, purposeful and well-intentioned.
1: It's authentic to him. You Mm -hmm. know, it's funny. I I did a story about the Heat earlier this year, and when you talk to guys, whether it's Rodney McGruder or Duncan Robinson or Kendrick Nunn, they all recognize that he's coming from a place of experience. Like, he built himself up from the video room to be the head coach of the big three and i I think they all recognize the authenticity in him to get like he told me an incredible story about literally going to Dwayne wade's house to apologize to him in 2015 because he said he'd become too obsessed with the result and not focused enough on doing his job as a coach you know he the things he talks about what he loves about coaching you know it's giving guys rides home from practices if he sees them walking down the street it's Mm -hmm. he told me he used to go in on days Wayne Ellington was supposed to be off and watch him through the, the window of the door getting shots up. You know, I I think that's what he genuinely loves about coaching. Uh, and it's, I think it's incredible that the players recognize the way he's worked himself up. There's like a, a real kinship. I think he has with this current roster because I think they see a lot of themselves in each other. I want to get to the future of the East with you real quick. Uh, I touched on this a little bit yesterday. I still think Boston has arguably the best outlook of any team in the East, just by virtue of how young their core is, how much room they have to grow with with Jason and Jalen, the flexibility they have, Uh, not to get into hashtag assets talk, but they do have tradable pieces and, and guys like, you know, Brown, if they really wanted to do it, even Kemba, if they really wanted to do it, your outlook, not just on the Celtics, but the East in general, do you, in your mind, do you have any scenarios on how you might see the next couple of years play out? Um,
2: I, I agree with you that I think Boston's future is very bright and you can look at it. You can look at their success over the past few years, as, um, except for last year, as just like market overachievement.
1: And... Yeah, it's, it's a bonus, really. It's like they're banking playoff experience way before they normally would have.
2: Right. And so I think, you know, this was, I think a lot of the criticism that Jason Tatum is facing is like, frankly, absurd because <laughs> he's 22 years old and he put up a statistical line in the playoffs in a lot of different ways that we haven't, we either have never seen from someone that young or the only comps are LeBron, maybe Kevin Durant, um, Kobe Bryant. Like, it's jarring. Um, for people don't make deep playoff runs as first options on teams when you're that young, that just doesn't happen. So, um, his future is just, uh, it's ridiculous. I mean, they have their cornerstone. That is the hardest piece to obtain in the NBA. Like, a you're, you're banking on him becoming one day a top five, top six player, which is more than conceivable if not expected. Um, so their future is really bright. Um, and I mean, then you got to look at like, what is Giannis going to do in free agency? I think that is a massive question. What is Um, Philly
1: going to do with Simmons and Embiid? Yeah.
2: Yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. Um, I, in my head, I always just cross them off because
1: (laughs) 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 sorry, I'm a hater. I'm a hater. (laughs)
2: Um, but, uh, yeah. Giannis, is he going to stay? Is he going to go to Miami? Is he going to go to Toronto? Um, Miami and Toronto. I think Toronto's in a little bit of a different situation because Lowry's old, and
1: the, um, I think this was their last gasp with the Lowry core. I really hope Toronto gets Giannis. I think that would be great for the league, great for like a reward for Masai for just the management he's done throughout his career. I think that would be really interesting if he went there.
2: It would be fascinating. I, I, you know, I think that Giannis might have watched Pascal Siakam in the second round and been like check checking them off the (laughs) as an option uh i kid i kid but uh yeah what he does is is obviously up in the air um i just think like bam is absurd he's going to be he's he's so good like it's it's really you can't even speak say anything else about bam and Mm -hmm. just his incremental growth just on a month-to-month basis uh Having him and uh, Tyler Hero for the next 10 years is just like a really fascinating duo to build on. Um, so I think that their future is super bright. and They're obviously in the finals right now with a coach who... I mean, I, I, another just thing about Spolstra that I think is really fascinating, he's 49 years old and Greg Popovich won his first championship when he was 50 as the head coach of the Spurs. So cool if you one. just look... Look How at it like that. How about that
1: nugget you just dropped? How about that yeah, nugget man. you just dropped? There we go.
2: So, You're, so, so
1: you're, it, you're hyping me it, <laughs> all the way back up.
2: <laughs> so if you look at it like that, it's like, uh, you know, that was one million years ago when Greg Popovich right. won his first championship. So the future is just like, this could be just like the ground floor of a whole different era for Eric Spolstra. Um, so, I mean, am I missing any te- any teams like... Like the Pacers? Or are we like, eh, I, don't, I don't think uh, the Oladipo Pacers are reportedly
1: anything. wants out. I think we hit the top four. I, th- I think it's going to be the Celtics, Raptors, Bucks, and Heat that really kind of determine the next five or ten years. And I, I think that the Celtics and the Heat have some more playoff series in their future.
2: I think you're right. And I really hope that... Uh, I hope Kemba doesn't miss four straight three-pointers with <laughs> <laughs> four minutes to go. That would be great.
1: <laughs> well... I tell you what, we'll we'll have to do this again because I think undoubtedly there are going to be some more matchups. Michael, thank you so much uh, for coming on Crossover Daily, hanging out. The day after your beloved Celtics losing in the Eastern Conference Finals, it takes a lot of guts, a lot of courage on your part. Uh, We appreciate you being a good sport.
2: Appreciate you, man.